0: I'm going to Welcome continue to on to the series that we've been in, titled, More. Hearts, we've been talking the Lord about Lord. How, that, how that God alone satisfies the longing that we have for the more in our life, and we all desire more. All of us desire more. In every area of our life, we desire more. So for a few weeks, we've been talking about these promises that God gives specifically 3,500 years ago, God gives His promises for the very first time. And, and the Jewish people call these the 4 I wills. And they're based off of the scripture that they read during the Passover celebration. And, and, and through this, we can see the plan and purpose of God that God has for our lives, for every one of us. God has a purpose for you. He has a plan for your life. And it's because of every single one of us is on a spiritual journey. God, God has a journey out there for us. And as we're on this journey, we're somewhere on this spiritual process. And, and that's because you've been created by God. You were made in His image and likeness. Come on, everybody. And, and He is a spirit. So you are a spiritual being. First, you're a spirit. And so because of that, We long for some answers, right? We have some questions, and most of us know that we're on this journey. Most of us know that we're on a spiritual journey, but even if you don't know, now you know, okay? But we often don't know what path we're on, where we're supposed to be, how we're supposed to move. How we're supposed to continue forward. And so this series is intended to help identify some of those, those things for us and keep us moving because God has more for us. Because if you don't know that you're stuck, you're really stuck. Right? Like, I've been stuck before, and, knew, and I, I knew, like, I'm stuck. right? I called Jason one time to pull me out. Remember that? Long time ago, right? In the old lake bottom. Remember that? was <laughs> so funny. I was stuck. I could not go anywhere. I was stuck, but if you don't know you're stuck, and you feel, the wheels are still spinning, and you're just driving through life, right, but you ain't going nowhere, and I think that's where a lot of people are, because everyone that I know, if we were to be completely honest, okay, would say this about life, there has to be more. There's got to be more than I'm, that I'm, that I'm not experiencing right now. Like I'm getting a lot out of life, there's got to be more. It just can't, this can't be all it is, right? And I don't know about you, but I want, I want all that God has for me. I want every bit that he has. How about you? Anybody with me? You want all that God has? So, so, is, so God has made us some promises, and, and, and check this out. Every one of these promises will come to pass. Every one of them. For those who follow Jesus. Let me say another thing. None of these promises are available to those who choose not to. None of them. Not any of the four. So God has made us some of these promises, and they're going to come to pass. And this is the first one that God mentions these promises to his people. And here God is speaking to Moses in Exodus chapter 6. I'm going to do a little review, then we're going to jump into into where we're headed today. But he says this to Moses in Egypt before they left for, for, the, for Israel. He says this, therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you, what, out. out. Because this, guys, this is the first promise. This is the pr- first promise about God's grace. This is it. I'm not ready to change you yet. I'm not forcing myself upon you. I'm not, I'm not ready for you to do anything. That, that, that's not what this is. I just want you out of bondage. I just want you out of the slavery that you've been living in. Out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Remember, the Egyptians had taken them captive and forced them into slavery. They were forced labor for them. And then a second promise is where Jesus had you start to do some things. So first, he just wants to bring you out. Then he says this, I will free you. I will free you from being slaves to them. Right? The Philippians says that you work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Right. There's a there's a process of 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 working out some things in your life. You've been a slave for a long time. It's going to take some time to get that slavery mentality off of you. And that's what's going on. It says, I I, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and mighty acts of judgment. This is the only one where he tells us how he's going to do it. How's he going to do it right there with an outstretched arm and mighty acts of judgment, I will take you as my own people. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. So one of my passions is to get people to, get people to see what Christianity can be, because I know that there are so many people that are rejecting this because simply they don't know what it's all about. Because if they knew what it was about, they would not reject it. There's no way that you could reject the, the, the incredible encounter and in relationship with Jesus Christ if you knew what it was about. Because if they knew, listen, if you knew, if you knew, if you knew a tenth, you'd want all he has. You'd want the more. Come on, everyone. And so the first promise in your notes, write this down. We've been through, we've been through two of these already. We're going to go to number three today. But this one, number one in your notes, is this salvation. This is the promise of sanctification or salvation. This is what it is. And this one stands alone. This is the easiest thing you've ever done. But listen to me. It'll cost you everything. It costs everything. And it happens the moment of belief and release of the control of your life. Hello? Because you can't receive until you've let go. I'm going to say that again. You can't receive until you've let go. So some people just want to believe. Well, I believe. I'll just add two. Right? The Hindu people. Right? The Hindu religion. They'll believe in any, any God. They'll just add another God to the list. They have no problem believing. I've preached to them in India, and they have no problem with Jesus. They'll pray a, a prayer of salvation to believe in Jesus like that. But if you ask them to give up everything else, they won't. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit... To do a work on the inside of us. Come on, everyone. To allow us to relinquish control of the life that we lead currently. Or that we've surrendered to whatever God in our life. Mostly it's the God of us. Right? The God of me is the big God of me. And that is what happens. Salvation happens at that moment. When he takes on... The, 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 then after salvation, he takes on the spiritual act of deliverance. And that's just God wanting you to experience freedom from the things that you've been slave to. Right? So maybe you're out of they're out of Egypt, but they're still living as slaves. They still think like slaves. They still act like slaves. They still believe like slaves. They're still under bondage. And sometimes as followers of Jesus, this is where a lot of us are. And so we get stuck right here in this. The promise of deliverance is a promise of freedom. And we all desire freedom, right? Then there's number three. We talked about this a couple weeks ago uh, before Jamie was here. Uh, Through salvation, God freed us. But we have to work out some things because he created us as a triune being, right? We're a triune being. God, God created us body, soul, and spirit, right? And through salvation, our spirit became perfect, and our body and our soul still need a lot of work. How many of you would just say amen right there? My body and soul need a lot of work, right? Philippians 2, uh, verse, 20, or verse 12 and 13, in the New Living, work hard. Uh, work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. And then what I want to talk about today, the, the promise of redemption. Redemption, restoration. Right? I'd like to think of this like, he, he didn't, want, didn't want you under slavery, and he didn't want you to have a heart of slavery after you came out of bondage. He didn't want your heart stuck. He didn't want you to stay there. He wants to restore you. God has a plan for your life. Come on. Right? So many people want to find God's plan for their life, and, 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 and you can know that. Okay? But first, we need to go through a redemptive process to get to number four. The promise of praise. Praise. We're going to talk about it next week. That's fulfillment. Fulfillment. How many of you want a life of fulfillment? You, you want just the overwhelming, fulfilling, whatever, the more that God has for you. Right? I want that life for me. That's what I, I desire. That's, there's a promise that God has already shared over your life 3,500 years ago, for those who follow him, that that's the life that we could live. And so let me say it like this. If you're not currently living a fulfilled life, there's more for you, right? There's more for you. There's more for you. I'm not, I'm not talking about a problem-free life, okay? I'm talking about a life that is making a difference, a life that you're making count, Right? Are there going to be are you saying that there's going to be days where I don't I don't feel bad about anything? No, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying about a life that makes a difference. Come on. And it is an amazing honor to help you just take you on a journey like that because I believe that that's the desire of the heart of God for every single follower of Jesus. A life of fulfillment that he wants all that we he has, he has so much for us. He wants us to receive. We just have to receive this. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it to abundance, right? Overflow. To the full, it says. Promise number three. Today we're going to get into this. I will redeem you. I will redeem you. Let's, uh, Exodus, let's go back and look. Exodus 6. Verses 6 and 7, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm with mighty acts of judgment. Redeem, what does that mean? What does redeem mean? Three, three, three definitions I want to give you this morning. Redeem, Webster says this, to buy back or to repurchase. To, to buy back. Notice it's, it's, it's not purchase, it's repurchase. You see that? Big difference. So all of us are made by God. All of us are made in the image of God. Come on, everybody. Right? And then we all went our own way. We all went our own way. And here's here's one way to look at it. We ended up owned by someone else. So he made us. He created us. And then he's going to have to what? Buy us back. Okay? So we usually end up in a life that is less... Then God had designed for us. How many of you would agree? There's, there's probably areas of your life that's probably less than what God you feel like God has designed. No, no question for me. And so God goes to that place and He repurchases you. He buys you back again. Picture yourself sitting on the table at someone's garage sale, and Jesus walks by, and you're like in the five- dollar bin Which is a big bin, if you're five bucks. I mean, five cents at our garage sales. Right, I haven't had a garage sale in years, but when we get to $5, you're, you're getting an item. I'm just telling you. okay? It, you're, you're probably getting a collection of stuff because I have garage sales only for one reason, to get rid of stuff. It's not to make money. It's just so that I don't have to go to the dump. <laughs> Smile at me. That's, there's only one reason because maybe there's a burn ban. You know what I'm saying? Smile. <laughs> It's just easier for you to haul it off than me. And and so God goes to that place and he repurchases you. He buys you back. Listen, it's... it's, (laughs) Kids are having fun, praise the Lord. Isn't it amazing news that God would have the desire to lump you in with all that other stuff and buy you back? Because when he gets you, does he not get some junk? There's no doubt. God gets me, but he also gets some stuff that he probably don't want. Number two, number two, second definition I want to give you, to change for the better. Or to reform. To change to the better. And, 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 and the way I want you to see this definition is that too many of us have set our goals far too low. Come on. Most people's goal is just to not have bad in their life. Just not bad. Just have a day that I, I'm not bad today. Right? Can, can you just get the bad to stop, God? Can you just, I'm not even looking to do anything important or good. I just don't want to continue bad. Listen, a good life should be replaced by a God life. Look at me. Good will always keep you wanting. Good will never be good enough. But often people believe I'm not. I'm not even looking to do that. That, that, that great in life. I just. I just want to be. I just don't want to be. You've got to. You've got to raise your bar of expectation. Yes. And I want you to know that you don't want to settle it just not bad. The law of averages, right? If you're just going to get by, that means you're associating with failure a lot of the time. Yes? Aim higher. The life where you're fulfilling everything that God has you to do. God wants to reform you. That's, that's his desires, is, a, is to reform you. And then the third definition is to repair or restore. Repair or restore. So think about an old junk car with broken windows and pack rats have invaded the interior. All the wiring's eaten. It's gone. The mice have had a heyday. Right? Right? and then that thing is taken apart meticulously and put back together to its original intent where where the original thought is to go back to or the original thought of that automobile was was a certain way and you put it back to that original condition that's what we're talking about in restoration. That's what we're talking about today is that, 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 that old vintage car or that old vintage you or maybe the young you. I don't know how old you are, right? But you, that's what's needed to happen in you. And from creation until now, God's desire for you was to get back to your, his original intent for your life, right? And so God wants to do this in you. So so when we when we when we seek redemption, why do we seek redemption? What's what, what's the problem and the answer to that that question is found in the promise itself. Let's look at it. Exodus 6, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of what? Judgment. So why does God have to have his outstretched arm, right? So why is God having to reach far from himself to us? That's because most of us are in a place much lower than God sees us. Hello? Often we we live far too far from him. That's why the outstretched arm. God wants us really close. But often that's 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 the situation. The old song says, I'm in a miry clay and God lifted me out right? And he set my feet on a rock to stay, right? That God God brought me out of one condition and he set me up on a firm foundation. Most of us don't see ourselves as God sees us. And I'm encouraging you to change your view of yourself to the view that God has for you, okay? Most of us, we see ourselves low and broken. Right? Well, I'm going to heaven, but I'm going to slide in there all messed up, right, with nothing to work with. Here's the problem. That's kind of an inferiority complex, right? We have this inferiority complex, and we don't see the greatness that God sees in us. We see far beneath that. This is the idea that is beneath the surface when we say, yeah, we're just horrible sinners. (laughs) I used to hear preachers say it like, I'm just a horrible sinner saved by grace, but I'm just a low-down, worthless sinner even today. I'm like, no. You were until God did what? Redeemed you. Until God brought you back, until until salvation came, until sanctification came, until deliverance happened and freedom took place in your life. Yes, once the things that kept you bound, now you've been set free from. So you're no longer, you're no longer that. Hello? Come on. I know it became popular in the AA movement where I'm an alcoholic and you're always an alcoholic till the day you die. Listen to me. No, you're not. You've been set free. If you were a drug addict and now you're no longer a drug addict, you've been set free. You've been bought back. You've been redeemed. There's been a healing work, a ministry that has worked in the inside of you to clean your life, to change who you are. Don't don't walk around with that old nature on you. Cast that junk off. That's who you were. It's not who you are. Well, I've, I, I suffer with anxiety. Do you or did you? And if you do, let's keep getting you help. Hello? But also celebrate the victories that God's brought you through. We're just horrible sinners, wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked true until you met jesus come on god doesn't want to maintain a low view of you god bought you with the precious blood of his son psalm 18 verse 35 you stoop down to make me great That's what God does. He sees greatness in you that you don't see in yourself. And I'm telling you that for some of us, we're battling this. Listen to me. Look at me. I've battled this all my life. God can use me. What have I done? Who am I? Where am I from? Come on. What's my background? I was the summer school kid. I was the kid that beat people up on Friday if he didn't have blood on his hands yet that week. Who am I? I'm the one that, remember the story, I ran out of public speaking, not once, but twice. Had to take it three different semesters, because there's no way I could stand in front of people and talk. God wants to redeem that which is broken in us for the greater good of our lives and countless others. Would you agree? There's a couple people in here that are glad I got through public speaking the third time. (laughs) Some of you still wonder how I did it. (laughs) Listen, God saw something that I didn't see. Look at me. I'm just going to be honest with you. God still sees stuff I don't see. How often... Do you live with the shame of the past? We still see ourselves in the rearview mirror, not what God wants to, wants to happen in our lives, but the past of our lives. Why, is, why so many people were, this is why so many people, listen, they were abused by others and they stay in the abuse. They don't set themselves free by the power of God in their life. Mm. This plagues our culture, by the way. We all know John 3.16, but what about John 3.17? For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. You know what the definition of condemnation is? Here's what it is. You're a mess and there's no way out. That's condemnation. You keep trying and here you are again. That's condemnation. Come on. God brings conviction. God says you're a mess and here's the way out. God says right here you shouldn't have done this, but here's the way out. Satan comes to you, and he, there's a blanket statement that's very vague, that, that condemns your spirit, that condemns who you are, and, and offers no way of escape. That's what he does. God brings conviction. How many of you are glad for the convicting power of God? In, fa- in fact, there's, there's a great story to illustrate about a guy in a pet store, and uh, he's just, there's this guy in a pet store, and he's walking around, and He's, he's minding his own business. And, and all of a sudden, a parrot in the corner cage hollers at him. And the parrot says, hey. And the guy says, are you, are you talking to me? And the parrot says, yeah, come here. And the guy walks over there to the parrot and he says, he says, what? And the parrot says, you're the ugliest thing I've ever seen. The guy gets all offended and he walks up to the counter and he tells the guy at the counter, he's like, hey, your parrot is offensive. Like he's, he's, he's calling me out and he told, said I was ugly. What's going on with your parrot, dude? What's wrong? The guy grabs the parrot and slaps him upside the beak, pulls a couple feathers, you know. Tells the parrot not, not, to, not to do that, puts him back in the cage. A few weeks later, the guy goes back in the pet store. He's walking around the pet store, probably looking for some gerbil food. I don't know what he's doing. The parent says, hey, are you, are you talking to me? Yeah, come here. The guy walks over there, and he says, what? He says, you know. <laughs> That's what the devil does. Yes? That's it. Some of you came to church today, and all of a sudden there's this urge to grow closer to God, even while we were singing. But there's condemnation that comes. Oh, you're going to raise your hands in here. I know what you've done all week. But here you go. Listen, I want you to start getting really bold with the enemy of your soul. I am a child of God. Shut your mouth and get behind me. Well, you didn't live perfect all week long. Listen, I'm in a church full of unperfect people. Shut up. Come on. I'm not trying for you to minimize what's going on in your life, but I am trying to say this. You need to understand who your enemy is. He will always try to condemn you, but you have the power over that. You, as a follower of Jesus, as as someone who has believed upon the Lord thy God. Come on, everybody. Who went to the cross, who shed his blood, who died on the cross, who was buried in a tomb and raised three days later, conquering death, hell, sin, and the grave for you. And you have believed upon his name. You've made decisions to relinquish the control of your life into his hands. And now here you are. A follower of Jesus that doesn't do it all perfect all the time. And the enemy comes along and tries to rub your face in it. Tell him where to go. Hello? That's just what he does. Well, how does God see us? How does he see us? Ephesians 2.10 in your notes, right? It says this in the New Living, for we are God's masterpiece. Say masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do good things he planned for us long ago. You are a masterpiece. What? No one's called me that before. I'm a master. See, God sees something in you that not you or anyone else sees in you. God believes in you so much. Hello? That's why it's so important to treat people not the way we see them, but how God sees them. Honor, listen to me close. Honor is not our view of people. Honor begins with God's view of people. Well, honor's earned. No, it's not. Stop. Look at me. Honor is not earned. You give honor. Why? Because God bestowed honor upon them. Honor's not earned. If honor's earned, then everything in your life is transactional. And I can promise you, you only want that one direction. You don't want other people to treat you that way. Trust is the same. Trust is given, it's not earned. Now, it can be squandered in a moment. Yes? But trust is given. I promise you, a 16-year-old, the first time they're leaving the house in a $20,000 vehicle, they don't deserve it. It's given. Right? You're strapping them to a land missile that could do lots of damage. They just forget to press the wrong button, the wrong pedal. Come on, everybody. It could be a problem really fast. Trust is given. It is not earned. Honor is not our view of people. It's God's view of people. And I've got news for you. I don't care what the parrot in your life or in your ear keeps telling you. God sees you as a masterpiece that he has created brand new in Christ Jesus so he can do the good things that he planned long ago for us to do god has some things that he has for you to do and that can never happen until you see yourself as god sees you as a masterpiece and that's why god wants to redeem you with what with an outstretched arm to pull you up and to say you're not a slave you're not worthless I see greatness in you. I see an amazing man. I see a beloved daughter. Come on, everybody. I see an all-star parent. I see an amazing spouse. I see someone in you who's a leader. I know you failed, but I've got greater things in store for you. I have more. That's what God has. Then he says, it says he redeems us with mighty acts of judgment. Well, who's he judging? You? No. The mighty acts of judgment are reserved for the enemy of your soul. You know why? Because the devil also has a plan for your life. He also has a plan. And you know how he keeps you from being redeemed? He keeps you from fulfilling God's plan for you. He doesn't have to get you to do something crazy. He just has to get you distracted from what God has for you. And when you're distracted, you will never fulfill the plan that God has. It's because the enemy has offered another plan. Come on, everyone. Let's call it a diversion, okay? A distraction. And all of us have a diversion. That's part of our story. The, 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 it's just part of it that we're pretty sure God didn't plan out the way we've lived it. We're pretty sure that God didn't plan that out. But here we are. It happened. Right? That was what? That was a diversion. That was a distraction. God had you on a path. Yes? Some of you are just finding that path. You just engage into a relationship, new relationship with God. Others of you have walked the path with the Lord for a long time, but you find yourself diverted. Psalm 139, verse 16 You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book, every moment was laid out, even before a single day had passed. And right now you're thinking, and you're right, it's a diversion. Well, who was the author of that diversion? It's Satan himself. That's why God says, I've got to judge the enemy. I've got to judge the devil. I've got to cancel his plan off of your life in order for you to be redeemed for the more that God has for you. God needs to cancel the plan the enemy has for you. Come on. Right? Right? And I want to say this to you because I I, I want to say to you that it's simply not true that what the enemy has told you over these years, it's just not true. Because God always provides a way of escape for you. He always provides a way. Let me show you. 1 Thessalonians 2.18, it says this in the New Living. We wanted very much to come to you. And I, Paul, tried again and again, but Satan prevented us. Satan prevented us. The Greek word there is ekopta, and it means to impede one's progress by putting something in the way. That, that sounds a lot like a diversion to me. It sounds like a detour, right? It's a, so check this out. Here's what Satan does. Because you're a believer, you cannot, he can't physically touch you, okay? The enemy cannot physically harm you, but he can touch your path. And so one definition says this, it's, it's like he comes along and cuts a ditch in your road. So you're on the road, but suddenly there's a ditch cut across your road. So, so there's this, you're, you're, down, you're going down the path, so God's got this great plan, and then suddenly there's a ditch. We didn't know it was coming, right? We couldn't see it coming. We just arrived upon it, probably at a fast rate if you drive like Gail. Let's just be honest, right? It was a good road, and you didn't see the ditch. Yeah. And for many, <laughs> smile at me, woke some of you up. For some of us, we've had that diversion. Well, okay. But what do I do about it? What do I what do I do about it? Romans 8, 28, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. A few years ago, Gail and I were traveling, a lot of years ago now, Gail and I were traveling to Pennsylvania to see her sister and her family. And it was around Christmas time and we were in the middle of Indianapolis. We'd stopped to get something to eat. And uh, it, was, it was me and Gail and her mom and dad in the vehicle and... <laughs> This was before GPS on cell phones. We were, we were having to having to navigate with old Rand McNally. Remember him? Yeah, big map. And uh, the Rand McNally na- map had gotten put in the trunk of the car. So we were, we pulled over and asked this guy. We we said, "Hey, how do we get to so and so?" And that guy straight faces could be. He, he looked straight up at us. He's like, "Listen, you can't get there from here." I'm like, am I at the nexus of the universe? Like what happened? You can't get there from here. You can get there from anywhere, you know what I'm saying? That was the weirdest statement I've ever heard. You can't get there from here. He, he, hear me out today. Listen to me. God can take any path you've taken and turn it around. It doesn't matter how far you're diverted. It doesn't matter which road you took. It doesn't matter what ditch came across the middle of you. Come on, everybody. To those who love him and are called according to the purpose he has for them. Are you sure? Pastor Derek, are you sure? I, it seems like all my life, it just keeps happening. Romans eleven twenty nine. 29. God's gifts and God's call are under full warranty. Never canceled, never rescinded. The gifts and callings of God are without Repentance. In other words, God's not going to pull them back from you. What God has spoken into your future exists for you. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching better than y'all saying amen. Y'all were a more lively with Jamie last week. Do I need to shave my head? It's close. It's close. God's never changed his mind about you regardless of what you've done. What an amazing God. Right? What an incredible incredible Father. People change their mind. People change their mind about me a lot. I had a note on my desk last week. See ya. I'm out. No explanation. God's got a plan. Come on. God's got a plan. Okay, so then how do I walk in redemption? You ready? Ready for some action? Okay. How how do I walk in redemption? Well, let me me tell you a term that you're going to have to warm up to. And and we talk about this occasionally, but it's called spiritual gift. How the Bible describes redemption. Okay. What, What... What God does to get you on the pathway to a purposeful life is to discover how God made you, to discover the spiritual gifts that he's placed inside of you. Romans 12, verse 6, we have different gifts according to the grace given us, okay? So in the Greek, that word grace in this verse is charis. That word charis translated divine enablement. So in other words, God gives us a divine enablement. So a supernatural power, come on everybody. For you to be able to do things that you could have never done before. And we've all been given a grace gift. Like preaching for me. It's one of the most fun things I do. I absolutely love it, okay. It's, a, it's, it's work, but it's in, it's an incredible time for me every week. Okay, I, I love it. I've got a grace to do it. And those of you that have been here for almost twenty three years, and listen to me, you you understand that, that you have grace that you didn't have you didn't have at the beginning. Come on, everybody. <laughs> Praise God, you had you did have grace. Are you so me here? But i, I I'm I'm I, my grace gift has grown. Right, Mike? Thank you. Thank you. I'll pay you later. Um, <laughs> because if you, do, if you do anything for this number of hours, surely you're going to get better at it. Right? If you don't, you really don't have a gifting. I'm promising you that. So, so <laughs> um, we, have, we have people in church that if I were to hand you the microphone, you would f- pass out. Right, you don't have the grace gift that I have for this. Right, um, we have other people in church who has a who have a grace gift for teaching children. Thank God, right? Thank God they're back there with the kiddos. Some others of you that are in here don't have that gifting, and we honor and we honor people that serve in that area because if you were having to serve in that area, there would be a kid getting duct taped to a chair. That's what would happen. Right? Because you don't have that gift. How many of you have a grace gift for your kids, just not any others? Yep. That's Keris. Right? That's what that is. And because some of you have an amazing desire to help, you you, you want to help the poor, you want to help to lead others, you still others to, to play music. Listen, God did that. God put that in you, right? Because he wants you to do what? He wants you, he wants you to take in that purpose that he created you for. Right? So what do we do about it? First Corinthians 14, 1. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Now there, there are a lot of theologians who will tell you that the spiritual gifts are not in act are not active right now. Well, according to what passage of scripture? Because I see here in 1 Corinthians 14 that, that we should follow the way of love and eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. Yes? You can look it up in your Bible, not just the notes I gave you, to make sure that I'm not you know, doing a bait and switch on you. I'm not, I promise. This is what we desire to help you do. Why? So that you will have the more that God has for you. the more that God has for you. Come on. People have gotten upset with me over the years because I say things like, it's important for you and your family to be in church. Do you know why I say that? Because I hate your fun life, right? I want you to have a miserable, pathetic life. Boring? No. Because without doing what God has for you, you'll never experience the more that God has for you. Mmm. Hello? You'll never get the more in travel ball. You'll develop a mediocre jump shot, maybe, that will be over quicker than the ink on your graduation certificate. Yes? We should eagerly desire the spiritual gifts that God has for us. So how do we do it? Number one, discover your gift. You need to go on a discovery of the gift. Well, where do I start? Where do I start? Well, here it is. Somewhere in your own design reveals your own destiny. Right? The way that God created you should tell you something. It's true. So God had something for you to do first, and then he made you. He didn't have something that needed to be done you know, he, he made you to, to, to accomplish. So God had the thing for you to do first. Hello? And then he made you. So if he, had, if he had you in mind what you were to do, then he made you with the ability to do that thing. God literally created you to serve in a unique way, which means your design is going to reveal some things about you. Hello? Psalm 139. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for being making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. David embraced who he was, and you need to as well. Your design will reveal your destiny. Okay? Which is why we have a class every six to eight weeks called Discover, imagine how we got to that name, Dis, and which is about discovering your spiritual gifts. Oh, y'all did that on purpose. Yeah, we do a lot on purpose. It's amazing. Right? Look what the Bible says, Ephesians chapter one, verse 11 and 12, and it, it is in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose, he is working out in everything and in everyone. Colossians 1 verse 16, for everything, absolutely what? Everything above and below, visible and invisible, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. And that's one reason I love what I do. You can look any other place and you will be empty. But if you look to God, you'll find your purpose. You'll find it. You'll discover. Then we can work on number two. The development of the gift. Once you des- discover what it is, you got to develop the gift. I have, I have to develop it because it, it's not perfect. Once I discover it, I mentioned earlier, just in my speaking, I've gotten better over the years. I still have a lot of room to grow. Okay, it needs some working out. Yes, and that's the job of the church. That's one reason God put me in your life. This season that God has me in your life, here's my job description in the Bible. You want to know my job description? A pastoral job description. Okay, here it is. Check it out. Ephesians 4, verse 7 and then 11 through 12. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. So Christ himself gave the fivefold ministry of the church, the apostles, prophets, the evangelists, pastors, and teachers... To do what? To do all the ministry? No, to, to, to go to all the hospital visits, to preach every funeral and marry every person? Yes or no? No, it's our job to do what? As the church, it's to equip or, or the, the leadership, the pastoral staff, or those, those fivefold. It's to equip his people for works of service. So last week, we brought in an evangelist. That's what Jamie does. He goes around and he tells people about Jesus and then offers them an opportunity to come to salvation, right? That's his gifting. His gifting isn't pastoring. Right, so completely different gifting. That spiritual gift is different, okay? So my real job is to create an experience not so you can just get needs met, but to create a dynamic experience around here where you can go through a process of growth so you can fulfill all that God has for you. And the first part of that is just look, look at me. People want to know, how do I grow in church? Just listen to me. Just This will help you a lot. Just show up. It's a big one. It's a big one. Why? Because if you're not in the room, you'll miss it. It's to be in church. The next step in in the process that we encourage people to go through is our discover class. Then you get to serve on a team. Yes? But it's critical that you are on a growth track throughout your life. Because the ultimate way to live your life is to use the gifts that God has given you, that He's placed within you to fulfill the work that He has for you to do upon the earth. You've never really experienced life until you found out what it is that God has created you to do and using that thing in His unique way for the people that He placed you around. Can you imagine? I believe full well that there will be literally hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of people that make heaven their home. <laughs> and if there's ever an interview process, God's going to be like, I'm so glad you're here, but I really wish you would have done what I would ask asked you to do, how I created you. Well, I did this. Yeah, but I created, don't, wouldn't you hate that? I'm not saying that's going to happen. Somebody's like going to go home and do a deep dive into Revelation and come back with all kinds of questions. Show me chapter and verse. I'm not telling you that's going to happen. I'm telling you, wouldn't it be strange to live an entire life and not do what God has asked us to do? It'd be a life that's not fulfilled. That's what it would be. Thirdly, you gotta use your gift. You gotta use your gift. When you express love to his people on his behalf, guys, that's worship, okay? That is worship. So I'll give you a little preview for next week. My purpose is to serve God by serving people. We serve God by serving others. We serve God by serving his people. Come on, everybody. And not just people that are in in relationship with him now, but people that have yet to come to relationship with him. Are you with me? God's desire is that all people would come to salvation. Hello? That's his desire. So that, that's your people. So you can, you can look other places. But if you're going to receive the more that God has for you, search for the heart of God. Amen. 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 Can you stand all over this house? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for your word. Thank you how powerful and effective it is in our lives. God, thank you that uh, you didn't just bring us, you didn't just bring us to this part of life and, and even save our soul, God, and, and put us on a path that leads to nowhere. But you literally had a plan from the beginning so that we could experience all that you have for us. God, I'm so thankful that you you see us worthy of being part of the plan for you to touch and affect the world. With with your eyes closed all over this room, I I I just want you to think about that for a moment. That God sees you, again, as a masterpiece that he's created literally affect on his behalf a portion of the earth how incredible is that got to pray all over this all over this room that that you would do your work by your spirit that we we wouldn't leave this place in just a moment as having heard your word but god we've heard your word and we're going to do something about it We're going to do some things about it. We're going to to make some decisions that that move you forward, that, that that help us take you to the world around us. God, I pray that you would infuse in our lives a desire to touch the hearts of people and that you would begin to show us those faces, those names, those individuals right now all across this room. That God, we have a desire to do whatever it is that you want done, that we're gonna speak to them on your behalf, that we're gonna minister to them, that we're gonna be nice to them, that we're gonna love them, that we may take them to coffee or just spend some time. But God, whatever it is that you're gonna minister to them, but you're gonna you're gonna work through us to do it. And so, God, we just trust you right now in the process. We don't feel worthy, but it's okay, because we're not going to live under condemnation. We're going to live under the the realization that we're children of the the Most High God. And so as you work through us, you're going to touch their lives. You're going to minister to them. You're going to care about them. And it's going to help bring them even closer to you. God, I'm so thankful that your word goes before us and ministers to people all around us. Just feel a strong desire for us to call their name out, okay? So if that's you, if there's a name of someone right now that the Lord is really prompting you, that has been on your heart maybe even the end of this message or even now, I want you to just call out their name and just say, Lord Jesus this person, I pray right now you would allow you would allow a divine intervention, that you would allow a divine moment to happen where I could speak into their life that I could just be nice, or I could just come alongside them, I could help them do something I could just be there, we could just have a conversation, God whatever it is I pray, I pray over this congregation of people today that this week be a week of those divine appointments that we interact with those people in our lives and god if we if it doesn't just happen naturally i pray you would you would give us the desire to reach out to them and to tell them the holy spirit's prompted my life to reach out to you and just that you need loved on, you need cared for, you need you need sought after, you you just need some attention, that you need some direction, but whatever it is, you're not alone, and I'm with you. God wants to minister through you to other people. God, we're so grateful for all that you have done in us today. Thank you for listening with us today. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash F A. Or join us for service Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m.